Empathy is considered to be the highest human quality. What is empathy? Empathy is to emotionally understand what another person is feeling, to put yourself in that person's position and to actually feel what they are feeling. And when we look at our human tendency, then 65% of our thoughts and our efforts are self-directed. Me, my car, my wife, my children. Everything is about centered around ourselves. 25 to 30% is centered around those around us. Our relationships. But it's focused in a way where we're still the center of it. So what does my boss think about me? What does my employees think about me? What does my spouse think about me? So we're worried about the relationships around us, but from our own perspective. And it's only between 5 and 10% that is actually focused towards empathy, towards understanding the feelings of others and actually feeling the feelings that they are feeling. And we find that because we are so self-absorbed and self-centered, the world that we live in, it focuses all attention on the self. That is what robs us of our empathy. We also have become very competitive by nature. So we're constantly wanting to outdo others in the different spheres of our interest. So if our sphere of interest is in fitness, then we're looking to outdo others in our sphere. If it's accumulation of wealth, it, if our pride is our children and their accomplishments, whatever our front is in our area of interest, we're competing with others and that is also what robs us of our empathy. Sometimes we see a situation where a person is in a difficult situation, difficult circumstances. So instead of feeling empathy for the person, we say, He's got himself to be blamed for this. You know, when he was given advice, he didn't take the advice. Serves him right. He's the architect of his own destruction. And we blame the person and that is why we can't feel the struggle, the pain that others are going through. And when we lose our empathy, then what happens to us as human beings? We become indifferent to others. We treat people badly. We become insensitive. In an exaggerated way, in the worst case, it is because of the lack of empathy that you have one people looking at their own interests and bombing another people. It is because of a lack of empathy that someone will commit a crime against another person. Take their life, take their honor. At the core of this, it is the lack of empathy that is at the core, at, at the center of all of these bad behavioral tendencies that we see across the globe. And when we look at the blessed sunnah of the Messenger وسلم, and the advices in the verses of the Noble Quran, Allah Rabbul Izzah says, لَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ عَزِيزٌ عَلَيْهِ مَعْنِتُمْ حريص عليكم بالمؤمنين رؤوف رحيم 
that such a messenger has come to you. Azizun alayimanitum. Your difficulties is intense on him. Something that affects you, it is difficult for him to bear that. Harisun alaykum. He is desirous of that which is beneficial and good for you. Bil mu'minina raufur rahim. He is compassionate and he is merciful to the believers. In the hadith of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَثَلُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ فِي تَوَادِّهِمْ وَتَرَاحُمِهِمْ وَتَعَاطُفِهِمْ كَمَثَلِ الْجَسَدِ الْوَاحِدِ The similitude of the believers in their mutual compassion and their mutual concern, in their mutual love, is that the Muslimin collectively are like one body. If any part of the body is affected in any way, all are affected. If there's pain in one part of the body, the entire body feels the pain. Allah Rabbul Izzah speaks about Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he is desirous of what is most beneficial for the believers and the fact that not everybody was following through. Allah Rabbul Izzah says, لَعَلَّكَ بَاخِيُنْ نَفْسَكَ عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ O Nabi of Allah, will you destroy yourself desirous of them coming on to guidance, coming on to truth. That was the inner condition of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that he continued to exert himself and was always desirous of what was beneficial for the believers. And through his beautiful example, we find what level of empathy he had. Before the Messenger ﷺ made hijrah from Makkah to Al-Mukarramah to Madinatul Munawwarah, there was a person who lived in Madinatul Munawwarah by the name of Ubay bin Sulul. He was desirous of becoming the king of Medina. At that time, it was still known as Yathrib. And with the coming of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his desire, his, uh, you know, the hopes that he had were dashed. So he was no longer, people no longer gravitated towards him. He pretended to be a Muslim, but at every instance was harming, hurting, insulting, causing difficulty to the Muslimin and to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In fact, on one expedition, he then uttered certain words and he said that when we return to Medina, and he was with this expedition with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and he said, al That the most honored in the city will remove from the city the most disgraced. Na'udhu Billah, referring to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this particular manner. Ubay bin Sulul had a son by the name of Abdullah. Abdullah was a genuine believer. And uh, he was true in his Islam. Uh, he was a mu'min who came to the masjid who performed his salah. And every aspect of his was in order. He knew his condition of his father. And at times he had asked Nabi Sallallahu that give me permission I will deal with my father. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, no, he's your father. Leave him to be as he is. Time had passed and eventually Ubay bin Sulul died. Abdullah comes to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sad, disturbed, heartbroken that his father had passed away. He lost his father on the one hand. On the other hand, 
As a believer, knowing that his father died as a hypocrite, that also created more anguish for him. When he came before the Messenger وسلم, in the saddened state, how did the Messenger وسلم, respond? Did he say, thanks goodness that we got rid of that uh, you know, hypocrite, he will rot in Jahannam. Or oh, finally we have relief. The, my greatest enemy in the city is gone, I thank and praise Allah. That wasn't the way the Prophet responded under these circumstances. He knew that the man in front of him was mourning the loss of his father. His father was always going to be his father. And this man had lost his father. His father was a disbeliever. His father was the enemy of the Prophet His father was someone who insulted the Prophet But it was his father. And he was a genuine believer. And to console him and to connect with him, the Prophet to comfort the man who has lost his father, took off his own thobe, his kurta, and said, bury your father with us. This was the compassion of the Messenger That even though he was an enemy, yet to make his son to comfort him at his time of his loss, the Prophet offered his own thobe. And the lesson we learn is that there are moments when we want to vindicate ourselves. When we feel like we want to tell the person, you see, that is what you have to say about me. Now I can tell you. Look where I am now. But it's those moments where we need to practice some empathy. The Prophet was so considerate that we know he said, The coolness of my eyes it is in salah. He loved salah. You would say, Arihna ya Bilal. Oh Bilal, stand up and give the adhan so that some coolness can come upon me. So I can connect with my Allah. And then he says, Inni la'aqumu ila salah. I stand up to perform the salah. And then, Wa'uhibbu an utawwil. And I want to perform a long salah. Wa'asma'u buka'a sabi. But I hear that there's a child crying at the back. salati. I shorten my salah so that the crying of the child does not become a means of difficulty for the mother. Consideration. On the one hand, it is the Prophet's love for salah. The enjoyment that he attained in salah. On the other hand, there is a child in the last surf, was crying, wanting his or her mother, and the Prophet ﷺ puts aside his preference, puts aside what is dear to him to accommodate the need of the child crying in the back. But why must a mother come with a small child to the masjid? Or that is just, you know, the child's crying is a child's crying. The child will self-soothe at some point. But the Prophet ﷺ was considerate in that regard. And talking about, you know, at the Jawas of Salah, being moderate in the Salah. And there's a fascinating incident that I came across that in the time of the Khalifa Mutawakkil, there was one man who had actually given the Imam one smack. So Mutawakkil called him up and asked him that, you know, you actually smacked the Imam of a masjid. You better explain yourself or otherwise you're going to be punished very severely. 
So the man says, you know what was my story? Listen to me and then you can decide. He says that I was traveling and I passed the masjid and it was Fajr time. So I decided to perform Salah in the masjid. When I entered the masjid, the Imam was performing the Salah. So I joined him and he started Surah Fatiha and he started Surah Baqarah. So I thought he'll read a few surahs, a few rukus of Surah Baqarah and he'll go into ruku and complete the Salah. And he continued and he continued and he continued. And eventually he read the entire Surah Baqarah. So we went into ruku. In ruku, it came to my mind that now he's read such a long portion, the first rakat. Perhaps in the second rakat, he's going to read Surah Falak, Surah Nas and complete the Salah. So we went into ruku, we came up. He read Surah Fatiha and into the second rakat, he starts, lo and behold, Surah Al-Imran. And I'm thinking, one ruku, two rukus. But he reads the entire Surah Al-Imran. Till the end. Then he goes into ruku and he goes into sajda and they complete the salah. And this person explaining himself to Mutawakkil says, he completes the salah and it's almost the time of sunrise. The time of Fajr is expiring. And he makes salam and he turns to the people and he says, A'idu salatakum fa inni lam akun ala tahurin. Repeat your salah because I didn't have wudu. Then I stood up and I gave him one clap. Mutawakkil <laughs> say that Imam deserved the smack. <laughs> so this was on the one hand the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you know, consideration in being moderate in his salah. And on the other hand, you know, being inconsiderate. So this was a beautiful example of how the Prophet ﷺ was considered to those around him. That at every juncture, to the emotions of those around him, that he didn't offend anyone. We know that the greatest enemy of Islam was Abu Jahl, Amr bin Hisham. He was that man who in the early days left no stone unturned in causing Torment causing difficulty, causing emotional anguish to the Messenger at every juncture, however he could. And eventually, Amr bin Hisham Abu Jahl was slain in the Battle of Badr. Such an arrogant man that when the person was about to slay him and he was going to cut his neck off, he said, You know, cut the neck from the bottom so that when my skull is laying amongst the other skulls of those slain, my head stands higher so they can see I was a man of honor. Till the last moments that arrogance was in him. He was put to an end. His son was Ikrama, who continued the legacy of his father. He continued in all that his father was doing, in all the torment, torture, whatever way he could harm Islam and the Prophet And then came the time of the conquest of Makkah to Al-Mukarramah. Where the Muslim army was entering into Makkah as the victor. At a time of authority. And the Prophet gave a general amnesty. That La tathriba alaykum al I say today to you all what my brother Yusuf had said to his brothers. No rebuke, everyone is forgiven for all the past. But there were certain individuals who had did things, who did things which were unforgivable. And the Prophet ﷺ had outlined that these people, wherever they are, they should be slain. And amongst them was Ikrama bin Abi Jahl. So he knew that, you know, things are not good for him. So he decided to flee from Makkah. 
and he fled to Yemen. He left his wife behind. His wife then came to the Messenger Sallallahu and said that, Owner of Allah, Ikrama has fled for fear for you. Give him amnesty, grant him protection. And with the request of his wife, the Prophet ﷺ granted amnesty to Ibn Ikrama. She then goes out to search for him. And he has fled to Yemen. And he is now on his journey to Yemen where he comes to a river that he needs to cross. And on the river, he's in a boat. And the wind and the rain comes up. And the captain of the boat tells him that, you know, we're in a situation, a very precarious situation. Akhlis becomes sincere and we will be saved. So he asked that, what do you mean become sincere? So he says, say the kalima, la ilaha illallah. Believe in Allah. So Ikrama says, that is the very thing I'm running away from. Anyway, they are saved. And when they reach the shore, he meets his wife. And his wife, who had also journeyed in the same direction, says that, oh, Ikrama, I have amnesty for you. From the Prophet ﷺ, he has granted you protection. You can come back to Makkah to Al-Mukarramah and you will, nothing will happen to you. So Ikrama then returns and he goes back to Makkah to Al-Mukarramah. And before he comes to Makkah to Al-Mukarramah, to the Messenger ﷺ, Nabi ﷺ announces to the Sahaba, which is the prophecy of the Messenger ﷺ, as a miracle. He says, يَأْتِيكُمْ Ikrama." Mu'minan muhajiran. Ikrama is coming to you now as a believer, as one who has made hijrah for the deen of Islam. And then the Prophet says, La tasubbu abahu. Don't tell him anything about his father. But because when you speak about the dead, it doesn't reach them. And it causes pain to the one living. It was easy to say, you know, sometimes we can't have a word with someone. So we tell that person, you know, your father was like this. Your uncle was like this. Your family is like that. And we feel vindicated. The Prophet ﷺ prepared those around that his father, we know who he is. We know what he did to us. His legacy is what his legacy is. But don't tell the son anything because it will hurt him. And it won't do anything to change the fate of the father. This was the consideration of the Messenger وسلم, in terms of Ikrama, who was the son of the enemy of the Messenger. So the question then is how do we develop empathy? How do we develop this quality that we've been talking about is empathy? So the first point is that you know everybody likes to talk and nobody likes to listen. But Allah has granted us two ears and one mouth. And for that is a sign that we should talk less and listen more. So when people talk, then to listen more than you talk. When you listen to someone and you give them your undivided attention, whatever their circumstances are, whatever their problems are, whatever the condition is, when a person feels heard, when they feel that what I've said has been, you know, been accommodated, you look at, you know, a situation where you have a fight between siblings, between parent and child, child and parent. There's always this, this thing that nobody's listening to me. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. What I'm saying, that's no consideration. So when you listen to the person, 
and give them your undivided attention. It has an immense effect on connecting with that person. When you listen to your spouse, when you listen to your children, with the phone aside, with the screen off, with all distractions away, and you just look at the person and listen, and give them acknowledgement, and give them non-verbal or verbal, uh, you know, affirmations. Yes, I understand. I can imagine what you felt like. I understand your predicament. This is what you're going through. It has immense effect in connecting with a person. The second thing is that we need to be non-judgmental. That when we start, when we're listening and we put already a, a label on what we're listening to. So someone brings a problem to you and you say, in your mind, no, this guy is wrong. Already the listening process has been interrupted. Look at the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. A young man comes to him and says, Oh Nabi of Allah, give me permission, I want to commit zina. And all those around say, wow, what's happening? Where is this guy's respect? How can he speak to the messenger like that? The worst thing that could be done is zina. So the Prophet said, come closer. So he came closer. The Prophet asked him, would you like that zina be committed with your daughter? So he said, no. Would you like it that it be done with your mother? He said, no. Would you, be, would you like that it be done with your sister? He said, no. Would you like it to, that it be done with your aunt? The man said, no. Then the messenger said, Kadalik. In the same way, no man wants that zina be done with his daughter or with his mother or with his sister or with his aunt. And any lady that you possibly commit zina with, She's someone's daughter, maybe someone's mother, someone's sister, someone's aunt. So like how you wouldn't like it for those that are close to you, anyone else wouldn't like that for someone who's close to them. And Nabi Salsam said, come closer. And he put his hand on this youngster's chest and he made a dua for him. And he said, Allahumma hassin farajahu. Allah protect his privates. Waghfir dhambahu. And forgive his sins. And Nabi Sallallahu made dua for barakah for him. And it is said that after this interaction, there was nothing that was more disliked to this youngster than zina. He was the furthest away from it. And just the thought of zina would spoil his mood. He would be so, you know, uh, such hatred for it. Now, you know, what could have happened in this say, Zina? You want to come at zina? Do you know what is zina? If a person commits zina in an Islamic state, he needs to be stoned to death. Or he'll be flogged a hundred times. Do you know what is the condition of those who commit zina? How will they be punished? In Jahannam, there is a pot which is boiling. And those who are commit zina, they will be immersed in there. That is in its place. And at times that needs to be dealt with in that way. But how did the Prophet ﷺ deal with this youngster? He gave him a perspective and he warned him over in that way. And that is part of gaining empathy. That the one is to listen, the second is not to be the judgmental, and the third is to gain the perspective, to just change your view. When you change your view, what you're looking at changes. In one of the motivational books, there's a story that has been written that in New York, 
on the subway, there were people traveling on a Sunday morning. Sunday morning is a quiet time. Everybody wants to be on their own. Everyone training on the, traveling on the train collectively. And everyone sitting very dignified and respect in their own space. No one interfering with everyone, anyone else. And continue on the journey. Suddenly, the doors open at the station and a father with three or four young kids come onto the train. And these kids are playing with each other. They're fighting with each other. Uh, jumping on the chairs, causing a complete disruption on the train. And those who are around, reading the newspaper, reading their phone messages, they're starting to get irritated. That all the peace that they were enjoying is now being disrupted. And they start mumbling, you know, this is a bad father. No discipline. Children are so rowdy. These are ill-mannered children. That is the chatter that's carrying on. Eventually, there is a point where a well-dressed man comes up to the father and says, that, you know, your children have really destroyed the peace here. And they're creating chaos. You've got to do something about it. You've got to rein them in. And the man who's sitting there looks up and he says, yes, I've got to do something, but I don't know what to do. We've just come from the hospital and their mom passed away. And all those who heard what had happened, and the situation of these children, their whole mood changed. Now the attitude is fine. Now they can tolerate the behavior of the children. It's fine. It's no longer irritating them because these children just lost their mom. So suddenly, the whole attitude changed towards the children. And they're able to tolerate. And they're actually allowing, encouraging them to play under the circumstances. So when your perspective change, then you see things in a different view. And that is why they say that, you know, even your enemies, in their untold stories, you'll find such pain that will disarm your animosity. You'll find such pain that will disarm your animosity. And it is for that reason that when you see someone and you view their behavior in a particular manner. But you don't know what that person is going through. What has happened to that person that day? What is the loss? And once you just consider that, you know, why under these circumstances I may be wrong and why he or she may be right. When you do that, then that has a tremendous effect on how you view things. So to conclude... Empathy is to be able to see with the eyes of someone else. To hear with the ears of someone else. And to feel with the heart of someone else. And what we need in the world is more empathy. And sometimes empathy is all but just asking the person, is everything okay? May Allah Rabbul Izzah grant us this beautiful quality of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.